Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aurelia Pay. I use them personally for sending money to my Chinese suppliers from Hong Kong. It's a cross-border payment solution between China, Hong Kong, and Southeast Asia. So when I need to make a payment to a Chinese supplier, I just hop online to place the remittance, pay to the Aurelia Pay's Hong Kong-based bank account, and Aurelia Pay will settle RMB within the same business day. So check them out online at www.aureliapay.com, A-U-R-E-L-I-A-P-A-Y.com, or check them out linked in our show notes. Hey, everybody. Episode 207, Global from Asia. It's our last one for this year. And that's a wrap for 2017. I felt like I just went through it. It's been a really fast-paced year. I hope you guys enjoyed it and you're excited for the year ahead. This one, I know it's right after Christmas and it's like the lowest downloads and traffic on the internet these days. So I'm sneaking through one that I've been a little bit uh, holding back on. I was up in Shanghai, as some of you might have heard in previous episodes. We had some great ones with Dominic Power and and others people enjoyed. So these were also recorded when I was in Shanghai. I'm going to give you a two for one today. We have a short interview with Yong Chong. He's an Amazon seller, Taiwanese, and living in Shanghai. And he's doing Amazon. And he's also fascinated with the whole F2C factory to consumer trends of factory selling on Amazon. This was a YouTube video. I've been doing more and more videos. I don't know if you guys even know I do video interviews now too. I will link up our YouTube channel and I'll link up to this video interview with YC that you can watch if you'd like that. It's a, it's a shorter interview because video is harder to do longer, long form like audio. So it's a short one. So that's where I'm going to sneak in a little bonus interview of a friend of mine that thought I should be interviewed on the show. And he had some pretty interesting questions and I was a little bit fired up and, uh, he's actually nervous. He doesn't even want to use his real name. And I kind of go a little bit crazy. I feel in some of my opinions. So I'm going to sneak in that bonus before the end of the year and maybe a little bit shy to <laughs> let you guys listen. But first, we'll, let's first go into the interview with YC. He was also on the panel at Cross Border Summit this past April. We're working out getting him involved. Also, this coming Cross Border Summit in April 2018, third annual Cross Border Summit. He's a great friend of mine, and I'm happy that he shares his perspective with you guys on F2C, factory consumer going global, building brands. Let's listen in. And then after that shorter interview, we're going to go into that bonus. So, uh, basically I'm putting out a little disclaimer. You might want to skip that one. <laughs> All right. Thank you everybody for tuning in our Global From Asia series. We are here in Shanghai, China. I'm Mike Michelini and we have with us my friend many years, YC. Hi, YC, uh, Yongzhong. Yongzhong. Yeah. Great. And we've known each other for so many years. 2012. That's, uh, that's been a long time. Yeah. It's been yeah. quite a long time. And, yeah. and, uh, We've been through quite a lot, and lot, we're yeah. we're doing, both doing a lot of startups, involved in the startup world. Yeah, exactly. And we're in uh, e-commerce world together. Yeah. And you are a guy I think of when I think of F two C or factory to consumer. So it's great to have you. It's pretty exciting to this to see this trend going on in China. It's definitely happening very fast. I mean, we've always felt like it was coming, but mm. I think it's been coming pretty fast. Maybe. 
first, do you want to just explain what it, what is F2C? F2C, I think I think um, there have been a lot of like cross-border e-commerce things going on um, since 10, 10 years ago, maybe. Um, people are selling on eBay. There are a lot of sellers sourcing from uh, factories and resell on, on eBay and distribute all, all countries through eBay. Mm-hmm. And then Amazon came along and people started to convert themselves into selling on Amazon, right? And started doing a lot of sales on, on, on Amazon. And then um, because they are, they are sourcing with a... Um, with, right now, with the with the advancement of e-commerce, right now, and a lot of factories are actually got awakened. Wait, <laughs> it's true. They have, they've woken up. <laughs> yeah, because they, if they if a seller can sell to 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 a consumer right away, um, why don't a factory? Why don't why does a factory do that? Right. So I think right now in China, there's 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 a trend going on, like more and more factories uh, getting to know Amazon. And they are interested in selling on Amazon, interested in getting to sell to, to consumer markets. And right now, also government is supporting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of government are going to the, the industrial park, uh, like summoning all the factories and giving, preaching, them, preaching them, okay, we're going abroad, we're going, Google, we're going to go global to sell on, on e-commerce. So right now, more and more, I would say a lot more factories are aware of um, um, e- cross-border e-commerce, and they want to do it themselves. I understand. It's, yeah. uh, I think it's all about building a brand. I mean, I, I don't know if I told you this story, but I have a lot of e-commerce friends, of course, that are Chinese everywhere. But yeah. Chinese, some of them, I remember one specifically, he says he feels like uh, China has been you know, held down for so many years and making cheap products or, right. or low cost, no brand right. products, right. or they don't know how to make their own brands, so they have to right. cop. They have to copy other brands right. because right. they don't know how to make brands. But now I think there there's starting to be some pretty big brands coming out of China directly. Right. I would say, well, I well I see that actually a lot of brands coming out from China. They all are like um, very dedicated to this. Uh, given the great supply chain, also manufacturing uh, capabilities in, in China, they are able to good, create good products, right? But I think the problem I see in China is that um, people don't really understand what branding is. For example, like uh, pe- uh, China used to be to be building a lot of buildings, right? And they they have this kind of thinking of I, I build and people will come. Right? Mm-hmm. This <laughs> and right now I think it's field of dreams. Yeah. <laughs> And right now, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's about the same when you talk about the, the F2C model, people are factory selling to consumers. Right now, I, because I'm in touch with a lot of factories, I think most of the mindset of factories at the moment, they're still thinking that uh, because I can, I can produce, so I can sell it well. I can create a brand. But reality is not that. Okay? Branding requires a lot of like market, re- market analysis, like, um, user testing, but usually factories don't have the sense of that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's one big problem of this kind of F two C model. Yeah. But I think gradually it will be changing in in, in some day. But uh, right now it's still like China is still ramping up for that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, well, I don't want to say it's all about chi- Chinese. Uh, I think foreigners, Westerners, also some of them don't know brands. I mean, right, 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 they right. think it's just you know getting brand registry on Amazon and right. having a logo on a product. But like you said, it's more than just putting a name on a product. Right. Uh, you know, private label is a common word people yeah. use. But I think to do it right, it's, it's representing a group of people. Yeah. It's like that's I think what a brand is is when somebody looks at this brand, they think of. Do they fit with this? Do they match this? Right. Um, so should I know? I, I don't even know if you told you. Sometimes I get some uh, 
sellers, foreign sellers, that are really uh, emotional about the F two C trends. Yeah, how how emotional? Uh, there were some videos I do like we went to those conferences, right. so I'll put those on YouTube, right. and then they'll be like those are those bleepers taking my, taking my, uh, you know, taking my money or taking my listings. Or, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, it is a little bit, you know, it is a little bit scary. I think for foreign sellers, what do you, what do you, what do you think about? Uh, well. That's actually a hard question. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually a hard question. I think it happens to anyone, not just foreign sellers. It happens to Chinese sellers too. So usually the sellers don't really like share information between each other, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there are a lot of uh, cross-border events, I mean, local events. They'll be sharing a lot of stuff, cross-border e-commerce stuff, but really um, the sellers are not really exchanging information with each other, right? Yeah, and people are always um, always afraid of being copied. Mm-hmm, yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's common common thing that applies to to Chinese sellers too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's always uh, I have a video blog where I say, "What's your ASIN? Uh-huh. <laughs> your Amazon stock number?" Uh, and uh, yeah, everybody's always afraid. Some people that aren't in the industry don't know why it's so secretive. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if you heard the news in Shenzhen. There was a few weeks ago um, a whole like thirty or forty other sellers or some people says mafia came to uh, a seller's office and surrounded it because they were saying that they black hat negative reviewed all their listings oh yeah, yeah. i heard about that you did hear about yeah, that yeah i heard about that yeah <laughs> that's that's actually crazy yeah so well i would say well for because uh, i think that question is more for a brand creator originally mm. right so i think for a brand creator i think the most important thing is to get Get to know the the market inside. What is the customer need there, and then trying to do production, uh, registering trademark. If there's a there's a patent, if there's a patent, that's good. If not, then I think you need to be very quick in uh, turning over your 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 sales mm-hmm. to make it back and, um, before other people copy you. It's true. And when people are copying you, then actually you are you are already developing the next phase, next uh, next generation of products. That's true. I think yeah. uh, that that hopefully is reassuring to some people listening. That you know, if uh, if, if people can copy what you are now, but yeah. if you're always innovating and you know the direction, the vision, like back to brand. If mm-hmm. you know your long-term uh, brand's objective and the community, I think. Right. Well, I'm trying to here at Global Formation, trying to build a community. I think whether it's a whether it's a blog or a podcast or or a, or a physical product, I think you want to build a community around your business so yeah. that you're really defensible yeah. from others to try to to do what you do. Yeah. Well, coming back to the F2C model, sure. uh, as, a, as a brand owner, I would suggest maybe you can um, work out some model with factories because uh, just in case you fear factories one day one day will copy your idea and sell themselves, right? And I think. The, the better like balance between uh, you and factories is that maybe you can co- co-create on something. Mm. They can provide the manufacturing resources for you, but you give them what to make. Yeah. Right. I think the problem with factories right now, even though they want to sell, but they don't know what to sell, uh, what exactly to sell. Right. Yeah. So as a brand creator, you can be the one who is giving out the, the spec and also requirements. And you can get a long-term business partnership uh, with, the, with the factories. Sure. And to co-work, um, I think that's the, the that's the ideal situation for me, from yeah. point of view. I agree. I, I know some other foreign sellers that moved to China and they're meeting their factories and they're working out like. 
deeper, closer cooperation. Yeah. So, so the I think sometimes though there's a lot of gap between the cultures, the language. So it's it's still a lot of room. I know I've I've been doing more events and and you've been you've been also sharing at some of our events and it's great. Uh, I think maybe can they do it online? Do you think? Uh, well, uh, finding building these relationships or finding these factories. Finding factories online. I mean, we definitely can go to Alibaba or other like B two B B two B channels. Yeah. But the problem is that um, like you need to do do due diligence with the factories mm-hmm. for sure because. Um, Things are not always as as it seems to you. So you have to really go into the factory, uh, ask them what they're what they're making, what the process is, and what uh, how many people they have, mm-hmm. and what is the turnover of their their uh, yearly revenue or or manufacturing products, to make sure everything is is a compliance. Yeah. And also make sure they have the certificates, sure. and focus on focus on dealing with those factories who have been doing exports only. If yeah. they, they, because factory could be lying to you saying that I do export, but actually they are buying, uh, borrowing license from other factories. It's possible. Yeah, it's yeah. true, and uh, it's tricky. So I think it's, of course, you can do some online, but I, yeah. I think you would also recommend you. They probably got to come to China. Yeah, because from my my experience, I think the best way to uh, to source a factory is through Guanxi. <laughs> yeah. Relationships. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. Actually, it, you, you may find a lot of things on um, information online, but I have to say, um, most of the information you find online uh, could be partly true. <laughs> could be just partly true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And uh, I give a little plug for what I'm doing. I have a. I do more and more events. Yeah. So I don't know if we talked about it even, but I'm doing one in October in Shenzhen. Yeah, the cross border matchmaker. Match, yeah, matchmaker, we're, yeah, we have the summit in April, and we're trying a new one. Excited. So. Exactly. So yeah, we gotta get you involved, and that's cool. Yeah, October twenty seventh. So I'm excited to try to really simultaneous translation this time. So we're having a lot of Chinese sellers, mm. uh, and it's it's gonna be a great way. Wendy, you know, my wife is working really hard to get more suppliers that want to help cooperate with with sellers. Got so it. Got it. so yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited, and you're working on some great things. I think it's still it's still how, what. What do have, what are you working on now? Or can, can so we... right now, right now, I'm I'm also doing doing Amazon selling, like Great. I'm creating creating some brands and pro- brand products on my end. Awesome, yeah. but not not so much I can I can share it now. <laughs> What's your ASIN? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you later. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing YC. It's thank been you. great. Uh, it's great to see you again in Shanghai. Thank you. And we'll, we'll be in touch. Thanks everybody for watching. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed Yongchong or YC. Thanks again for sharing. And as promised, our little bonus interview. Uh, that was a wild day. I remember I was so stressed in Shanghai, and uh, you know, traveling and and uh, so Stu can do is the is the code name my friend wants to use. He doesn't want to use his real name. That interviewed me and. He was questioning if I should put this online or not, but I feel I would, you know, I feel that it's something I, I believe in, and I hope you guys agree. And it's somewhat, you know, there's some history of the Global from Asia logo and the brand that you might not even know about, and some some perspectives I have about the life and uh, business and government and things like that. So I'm sneaking it in before the end of 2017, getting it off my chest. Getting it off 
my hard drive because my hard drive is always over full with podcasts and interviews. So I'm going to move this off my hard drive too. And your last call to skip this one, it's a little bit uh, freestyle, <laughs> let's say. There's no swear words. So we never try to swear on this show. So if you have younger kids, there's no swears, but there is some alternative ways of, of thinking. So it might open up some perspectives and a little bit about me more than you might know. All right, let's tune in. Hi, I'm Stu in Shanghai, and I'm here with Mike Michelini. How's it going, man? What's up, dude? Hey, I just wanted to say I love your logo here from Global Global from Asia. It's a great logo. What happened there? Sure. Uh, for many years, I didn't have a logo for the brand. I, I think people know I just take action. I, I don't want to have any excuses. So it used to be no logo, but for many, basically over over years, people were saying you need a logo. So I thought of a concept and. We ha- I crowdfund crowdsourced it on those uh, those websites for designs, and the final product came out to be. It was always about uh, strength and kind of rebellion and again against the system. So if you look at it at first glance, it's like a, a actually it looks like a G. If you notice that too, it's a G. Yeah, I can which see is that. from Global from Asia. Ah, and yeah. then there's the city on the back of it. That and was the first thing I knew. I was specific in my logo. I said, no globes. You don't like globes. <laughs> you look at all the companies and they have a globe. That's it's true. International. So you put, a Ameri- you put a globe. I'm like, no, no globe on my logo, please. I told him I will kill your design. I will cancel your vote. You will not be able to submit me a logo if you put a globe. No globe. Okay. So, uh, but it's a city. I like urban. I like urban. So that's like, that could be any city, but that's a city. And if you notice, it's a, a head, a blue head is a person. And he is rising up. And he has, I love Atlas Shrugged, the book. A- Ayn Rand. Yeah, Ayn Rand. Yeah, she's <laughs> awesome. And so it's also like, it's also got influence of Atlas Shrugged, where it's a, a, a man strong, a woman or person strong enough to take the city on his shoulders. And he's not, he's not dropping it, he's throwing it. So he's coming up when he's got the, he's got Hong Kong and China and America and all these governments on his back. He's just trying to chuck those guys off his back. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. So, and he's proud. He looks very proud. Yeah. Uh, there was a version we had to get rid of, but it had his other hand out like strong, like a fight with a sword. And uh, some people didn't like, I guess it was a little bit too extreme. Uh, this is more subtle, but it's basically meaning like rebellion. Beautiful, beautiful. So uh, have you been following any of the news about uh, our President Donald Trump? Yeah, I joke often and uh, I've offended some of my Facebook friends by uh, in my video blog saying, make America great again. And uh, I've even joked, I do a lot, we do more and more Global From Asia meetups. And I, I keep saying as if I speak there, it's like, you know, like America might tax more to make America great again or uh, or do different things. Um I was, uh, you know, here in Shanghai, we're at the chat conference and I got uh, BBC. Most people were afraid to talk about it, but I, he was talking about passports and immigration into China. And, you know, we're really afraid. I have like another friend, Sean, in Shenzhen. He's going to America for a month. He's afraid he's going to come back. Why? He's afraid Donald Trump might say something stupid about, there's all this stuff with North Korea, Russia, China, like make America great again, block North Korea, China and stuff like this. And he's kind of, he's putting his pressure and it. He's just afraid it might hit a tipping point and China might just get so sick of it and, and do something. Um, there's also, you know, 
And also a lot of my friends get pissed at me because I, I complain about being an American overseas. But I think, you know, we can't get bank accounts. We're like the scarlet letter. I must have put a, you know, a, a U on my forehead and say I'm an, a United States American because I'm a, it, they didn't want to deal with me. And I, it screwed my whole business, man. I used to do the Hong Kong court. I still do it, but not much less. You know, Americans can't do business overseas. We got to stay back in America. I'm selling on Amazon and I have to register a U.S. company or sell my personal name. Sell your personal name. Sell on either under as an individual under my personal name uh-huh. or sell uh, as a U.S. company. Okay. You can't, I can't use my Hong Kong company. I can't use a Chinese company. Oh, but okay. you know what? People say, Oh Mike, that's cause you're trying to avoid tax. That's what like my Facebook friends said to me on videos. They're like thinking I'm a tax evader because I want to use yeah, Well, you told you, you mentioned it a couple of nights ago. The reason why is because many Chinese uh, people yeah. are, are, what are they doing on Amazon? They're selling direct. Amazon wants them to sell direct. But you were saying that they also. Oh, yeah. There's been for so many years they would because they can hide. They can just change their English name. So they'll sell and not deliver and then cancel their account and open a new account. Okay. So do you think that's part of the reason there's, why that Amazon was clamping down? They're, they're clamping down on people like us, but they let they love Chinese sellers. Okay. They all want Chinese sellers. Because they just want to go factory to direct. We've, we've had podcasts talk about F to C, factory to consumer. They're just trying to squeeze out the Americans. And then for me, I'm stuck in the middle. I'm like an American overseas. I can see the future, but I can't be the future because I'm a white person. I'm a privileged, entitled, you know, I should be blessed. And I'm, I'm a horrible person because I'm not so proud to be American. You know, all these brainwashed people, these governments brainwash us. U.S. government brainwashes us. My mom cries on the phone. She says, you hate America. Why are you? They brainwash. Man, my, my parents... Are born in America, but my grandparents aren't. My grandparents came from Russia, Canada, Fr- France, Italy. Like, what? You're what? a mutt, just like everyone. Yeah, American. why does this matter? I'm American. I was born in America. Yes, thank you. I have a, I have good friends there. I ate some good food. I got some school. I still have student debt, man. I'm still paying off my student loans. Who isn't? Welcome to my world, man. So, thank but, you, America. Yeah, I owe you for the rest you. of my we life. Look, yes. I have a $30,000 loan that I'm paying back still for my great education. That that the second you uh, walked out the door, that it lost all its value. Yeah. So, so yeah, thanks Donald, Donald Trump, man. 10 years ago. He just got us even pay taxes himself, man. How oh, he's never paid taxes. And now he's trying to like screw people like me right. and you. Cause we're, I was saying, I said on my video blog, why doesn't Donald just say, thank you, Americans abroad. We appreciate you. Thank you for representing our country where everybody shits on us and thinks we're assholes. Wow. You are overseas. You are trying to help, you know, help expand America. No, we're going to put up walls and we're going to kick everybody else out and we're going to make all the Americans overseas come back to America and uh and eat like mac and cheese and and watch a and watch a like apprentice or watch one of his TV shows or something. I guess that's what I got to do. Be brainwashed watching more of that uh, junk on TV. But you were talking about uh, nationalism and racism. So yeah. talk to me more about that. So, like I said, BBC got me excited yesterday. I, I'll probably be on there and I'll probably get some hate mail too, but they're you know, they're saying, oh, isn't it getting harder for foreigners in China to immigrate immigration? I mean, maybe you can share, share Stu too. But, uh, yeah, I said, yeah, but, you know, it's also not helping that America and, and these other countries, all these countries want tax money. All these countries want us to report back to their country. Like who's, who does own the 
who who owns the rights to my taxes? Who owns the rights to these Chinese factories selling products on Amazon US? Who owes that money where? But uh, why does it matter what passport I have? Like I've been doing global information for four years now. And maybe we can do this as a fourth year anniversary podcast or something. But uh, I've been doing it four years and I started, you know, making some money helping people set up Hong Kong companies. Originally, I was just kind of introducing other agencies or or others and just, but uh, I started to become racist myself. I was like, can you send me your passport copy? And then I would look at it. It's like, oh, this person's from Saudi Arabia. Nope. He's a terrorist. They're not going to give it to him. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I have to think like a bank. I have to think like a government. So I have to become racist too. I'm like, and I feel so horrible. I mean, it's not me, but I have to tell them. They're like, why can't I, why can't I do it? I'm like, to be honest, it's, it's your passport. You know, it's your passport. And why? And, uh, you know, I, I work with amazing people. Uh, I was at a conference a couple weeks ago. I was an MC of a one Belt, One Road conference in Shenzhen, and there's people from Ethiopia, Bolivia, you know, uh, all these different countries like Pakistan. Man, isn't the internet and technology supposed to allow anybody in the world that has the will and desire to make themselves a better person, a better life? Absolutely. But Hello. it's not seeming true to me. Right. Governments and banks don't allow you. Because what are they doing? They're trying to make you more nationalistic, right? Yeah. And that causes people to be more racist because and they it, put up boundaries. And it creates that entitlement bullshit. I won't talk about these people's names, but when I was in college, I knew people from California that would have fun driving around on Jeeps on the Mexico-U.S. border and beat Mexicans with baseball bats for fun. What? Yeah. That's crazy shit. He was wow. told me he did that. They would drive, they would hide up, you know, they would just, and what's police going to care? They beat up a Mexican trying to illegally immigrate into America? Like crazy. Like they were, I mean... Anyways, uh, you know, stuff like that. I've talked to people like that. Like, and then there's this Hong Kong China border I live on and I see these huge lines of stuff. And, but it's true. I mean, I guess on the other side, if they just had no borders, there is that fear that something might happen, uh, something bad might happen. And we just don't know what might happen. But, you know, I work with freelancers, amazing freelancers all around the world. You know, like the editor of this show is Boban. And who? Boban, he's my audio editor for the Global Media show. Okay. He's in Serbia. You know how hard it is to send him money? I have to use special ways. I want to pay him other ways. I've had great people work for me like Valerie. She's from Ukraine. I It was so hard to send her money. I tried to send her money from Hong Kong, HSBC to her Ukraine bank. You, I almost, I don't want to say I lost my bank account, but they flagged the transaction and it bounced back to me. Wow. Yeah. yeah I remember once I had this, I had somebody do, do a logo for me, uh, somewhere in like Croatia. And the same thing it was really difficult for me to get money, but I eventually got the bank transfer. I was able to do a bank transfer. This was bit, way back in the day though. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I've lost touch with reality as an American because I've been out here 10 years and, but why should Americans or Chinese or Hong Kong people, why should a certain person have an entitlement just because they were born somewhere or just because they have a passport somewhere? It just seems so stupid to me. I would rather, you know, I'm hoping that I succeed even more so that I can give a lot of money to like people that deserve it, that not just because they're have a certain passport, uh, but they have a certain skill and they are willing to work hard. Like we have a girl on the team, Honeybell. That's her real name, supposedly, she tells me. But she's in the Philippines. She works her butt off, man. She really cares. I mean, she's willing to work, you know, for a fair market price. And 
I, I mean, I'm hoping to, hoping to increase that over time as as the company grows. But it's it's uh it's it's uh it's I guess the world is not yet flat. Like it's going towards flat. But what's happening is as technology and the internet makes it flat, governments are freaking out. Yeah, governments absolutely. are freaking out. Absolutely, I think that's the real thing. Like the world's becoming flat so fast. Governments are going to go bankrupt because they got to pay for all these, uh, all these social securities and all this healthcare in America. But you can hire people in the other side of the world for like a fraction of price. So how is the government going to pay all these debts that they promised all these people because they're entitled Americans because they were born in the USA and they're entitled to get all this healthcare and all this benefits just because they're born there. So the country has to like maybe make more wars and steal more oil from the Middle East and make some kind of news and all this kind I of hope stuff. Not. But you know, already they're complaining about these huge corporations, American corporations, that have most of their money abroad, and they're not bringing it back. And yeah. So they're losing tons of money on taxes on that. So yeah, this is the future, man. Uh, uh, the future could be beautiful if everybody was a global citizen and yeah. everybody was allowed to be treated fairly. I think you know what I think has to solve it. We have. It seems like humans like to fight each other. I it's think we like nature, to. Yeah. We. Ha- I don't know you know why we were programmed to want to compete with each to other survive man to survive. survive yeah it just seems like there's always this us versus them like if you go you know and as the world uh has gotten more connected it's easier to have like you know before it would be like villages against other villages like even uh i think it might have been on a podcast or in a conversation i had like some guys from you know, I think he's from Holland and he says like Rotterdam versus, uh, you know, the Amsterdam. Amsterdam. They hate each other. And there's this like, well, maybe not. Remy is more friendly now, but there's this rivalry between the two because a long time ago, that was, that was like China and America. You know, that was them versus us. It's always us versus them. And as the world kind of zooms out, it's now countries versus countries before it used to be like, Cities versus cities or neighborhoods versus neighborhoods. But so I think has to solve this is we have to have uh, alien invasion. You know, <laughs> that's the only way to bring the aliens. I think so. Like, in, like in, what kind of aliens? Like the movie Good Aliens or bad Independence aliens? Day? Independence Day. So bad you know, aliens. Yeah, saying. they have to be trying to kill us. And, and we have to say, OK, this is stupid. Russia, you know, OK, fine. You want to nuke us or whatever the hell is going on or you want to take our money or you want all this bull. Okay, let's just drop all this because it all looks stupid when there's a huge guy trying to kill. And then it'll be like I'm, I'm Martians versus Earthlings. Okay, two questions because I'm a huge sci-fi buff. So number one, how do you know the aliens aren't already here? Yeah, there's – let's just say for simplicity they're not. Uh, my wife is getting all into this. Have you ever heard of The One, the book called The One? No. It's a, it's something about aliens are watching us, but they don't want to interfere with us. Right. But they're somehow, somehow they do get, maybe that's what God is, is aliens like getting into our brainwaves, uh, trying to influence us. But they know that if they come here, we're not civilized enough to not want to kill them. Okay. So they're like out there and they're like watching us. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think about it so deeply. I just think of it more in a physical sense that people around us right now are, us and then people maybe that aren't here because i think as far as wars and fighting and killing each other and that's more us you know it's still human versus human um i guess it's because we don't have to protect ourselves from animals anymore like we have houses so we don't have to fear for our life about a wolf trying to eat us at night but i guess uh i just keep it simple like people outside of the current earth 
Well, here's my second question. So, you know, distance is very far in space and it takes a long time to travel. If you have a society that's able to travel very far distances and come to your planet, they're going to be extremely advanced and you're not going to be able to stop them whatsoever if they are evil. And hopefully by that time, uh, they're not evil and they would want to help us. But, uh, if they did come here with the, ex- with the meaning of wanting to kill us, then they would. There'd, there'd be nothing we could do. Yeah, that's so true. So that'd be the end of our society, which would not be a good thing. Well, I'm just saying, I'm more hypothetical. I'm just saying it's us versus, I, mean, I think there's no more, uh, undiscovered people or lands. I think maybe there's some, some people in South Africa, America, that's never been, they're still never been connected with society. But I think maybe yeah. besides them, we know everybody here. So there's no more unknown. There's no more Christopher Columbus coming over to America. There's no like Europeans killing Native Americans. Uh, there's, there's less and less of this. It's, it's still us versus them in like countries. But what I mean to, 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 to solve the problem of Chinese government wanting to kill American government or beat American government is there has to be a something above us that's bigger. And that makes us like you play. I love the game risk the the game. Yeah. Love it. Grew so up playing it all practically every summer, but you know, how if you have three or four people on the board, sometimes one guy gets too big. So two or three of us team up to knock down that guy. That's usually, I don't know. That's how you play it. That's how everybody plays. Right. Mm-hmm. And let, and if you're really smart, you can somehow not look as strong and somehow spread out and then kind of make a, a, a strategic attack. But usually if you're the biggest guy on the board, the other guy's trying to take you down. He always wanted the two areas like the Australia, there was two two extra and then South America was yeah, two I'd, extra. Yeah, I'd always get Australia. I always work on those and then I'd move up. So it was really hard to go from Australia and then take over that Asia, seven. Yeah, you can That was really Asia. hard. And the hardest one was the blue one, the five, Europe. Trying to hold that yeah, because Europe. everyone was like attacking yeah, that one. Yeah, the, usually it's true. Like South America and Australia, you can, of course, Australia is the best because then you would, what I would do is just pile a ton onto that. Uh, Siam or yeah, whatever it was. Whatever the, like, the last one is. <laughs> right. And just nobody, they could try, but it would be a hell of a lot of fighting <laughs> to kill them. So you just keep dropping armies on that one every time. And then protect. you slowly move up. Yeah. Yep. That is a great strategy. Also, Africa was good to have as well. Yeah. I would usually go from South Africa into Africa or South Africa into uh, uh, North America, depending upon uh, the the way the game worked. Yeah. But uh, it was a great game. I, but I still think the point is like, you know, I think it, it while we play it as a game, I think it's happening in real life. I think like, I think these countries are looking at the board like this and saying, look at how strong China is getting. Or look at how strong this guy's getting. Okay, we got to go and get ally with this dude and try to take him out. And uh, I've said it before, but we're in a, I think we're even currently in a digital war. I think it's war happening right now. Yeah. Ooh, digital war. I love that. That's awesome. Expand on that. Well, you know, we're always talking about VPNs here. What VPN do you use to get around the firewall in China? Like, how are you getting on Facebook and YouTube? Uh, I'm a pretty paranoid, I guess, well, I think I'm aware. I think I'm not as plugged into the matrix as most people are. So and that makes you more aware. Yeah. I mean, I, I know most people are plugged in. Like I'm aware that my Facebook feed is influenced by what I read and it's trying to give me stuff to keep me happy and not sad. You know, there's that sick stuff where there's somebody saying I want to commit suicide or something, or they're really depressed and that's sad. So Facebook doesn't show that much to your other friends. And then that person feels even sadder because nobody's liking or commenting on so it. So it's filtering sad news. Yeah. I didn't know that. 
yeah, it's sick, right? And then if you like Donald Trump, they'll show you more Donald Trump stuff. If you like Obama, they'll show you more Obama stuff. So it just keeps on. It's like this echo chamber. Mm-hmm. So that's one. But the second is, you know, the Chinese internet wants all the stuff to be in China. Like people say, why is WhatsApp black blocked? I'm like, the reason WhatsApp or Facebook's blocked is because they can't turn the switch off. They would turn it off if they could. It's not blocked. I've been in companies in, Sh- in Shenzhen, like t- Twitter copies in the 2010 time, 2009. Government just came in and took their servers offline. Like 11 p.m., the CTO got a phone call saying you're offline and just rip off your servers, take you offline, pull well, the plug. In the beginning, I think they're protecting their own uh, their own technology, right? So they they wanted to build up their own system, which is nice. I I totally agree with that. But it comes to a point when they're super powerful and now they want to compete abroad. So when do you think that they will allow uh, open competition? It's not allow. Know? See, that's what I was getting towards. They want Mark Zuckerberg and they want like Tim Cook and they want all these guys to give their data to the Chinese government. That's the real, that's what it basically boils down to. Mm-hmm. They want, like I talked yesterday to a consulting client that I'm helping. He selling to a lot of Chinese, a lot of Chinese sellers that are doing Amazon and it's slow and he wants to not be blocked or slow in China. So I'm like, okay, now you gotta make a decision. Do you want to sign a deal with the government? Get a company here, get an ICP license, and then put your data. What's, what's ICP? I forget what it stands for, but it basic it basically it's like internet content provider, I believe. Okay. Basically, it's a license to have a server in China. Okay. So basically, what that means is like I consent that if anything is bad on here, I'm liable, and I will delete anything you want, and you can rip me offline whenever you want. Okay. Basically, I mean, it's of course not. I'm saying it very uh, simply, but what what that means is, you know, LinkedIn is not blocked in China. Right. That's because they give their data to the Chinese government. So all your LinkedIn data is is publicly accessible by the Chinese government. Okay. They can get your email addresses, all your users, all your data. Uh, but WhatsApp didn't want to do that. Well, let's, so let's talk about the American government. Are they also, are they uh, able to access all that data? As yeah. Well? Okay, then. I think, I mean, the, the problem, the difference is actually, I, I, I don't care if I'm, you know, I talk about it as it is. I at least try to. Chinese government is at least openly saying that they will access your data. The U.S. government denies it, but then they call this Patriot Act, the September 11th Patriot Act. They're trying to protect us from terrorists, so they're going to be able to tap into your emails, tap into your Facebook messages, tap into all your stuff and read it because they're trying to protect you. You know, this sounds a lot like what Martin King was talking about, Martin Luther King, when uh, back in the day he was talking about South Africa and apartheid. And he was saying, well, you know, at least the South Africans openly admit that yeah. they are racist. Yeah. And uh, that sounds exactly what you're saying here. I mean, it's, it's, isn't it funny? Like America's supposed to be free, but they don't tell you you're actually not free and that all your information is able to be read by. And, you know, I had a conversation at dinner yesterday and uh, they're like, Mike, you have nothing. What, what are you trying to hide? Why can't the government read all of your information? I'm like, yeah, why can't they just pull me over on the side of the road and just kick me out of my car and just search my car. Why can't, I mean, it's the same thing. Exactly. I don't have drugs in my car, but I don't want you to come in and invade my private space. Exactly. And the the other part is what if the police pull me over and then they plant drugs in my car and they say I had drugs. You have no way to defend. And then they say, oh, you want to get out of this? Okay. Do what we say. Give up information. Give me up. Tell me, tell me where Stu lives. Tell me where he lives or or I'm going to nail you in court. Why not? It reminds me of that Dave Chappelle uh, uh, comedy uh, stand-up skit where he goes, and they sprinkled what is it? They sprinkled cocaine on me, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Remember that one? It's true, though. I mean, like, <laughs> so 
all of you are like, oh, Mike, you're just a crazy person. Why do you care if they read your email with you, what you say to your wife? Or, you know, what if they, they care about the porn you watch? Why Is there you, Americans you, saying that? More Chinese, definitely Chinese. You know, oh. Chinese don't really care. Okay. They, they know that their information is all right. But even Americans say that to me. Right. But that, don't they realize they're giving up their privacy? Yes. And, and I think it, it all goes back to they've been believing this thing about, okay, I need to give up some of my privacy so that I am more protected. Against terrorists. Right. You know, I don't I don't know. I sound like a radical. I'm not going to talk about September 11th. I was there. I saw those towers go down with my own eyes. I cannot imagine that the U.S. government would do that to its own people. <laughs> but there might be the whole you got to break an omelet. You got to break an egg to make an omelet. So, you know. We, Wait, you, could, you were in Wall Street at that time? I was still in college. I was in Stevens Tech across the river. Wow. I could talk about that. That's a crazy story. That changed my life. I still have nightmares about it, actually. Like, um, I was not on Manhattan Island. But I was on Hoboken, New Jersey. So I saw it, the towers on fire from my dorm. I was in a dorm. I saw it when it happened. I was watching it live on TV, and they had cameras on my school at the same place. The TV cameras were the same angle. I saw the same angle from the TV show. Imagine there's a window on your right and there's a TV next to the window and the picture on the TV is the same as a picture in your window. Wow. That is what I saw. Jeez. And then I said, well, I was, I was uh, out standing outside. I'm like, at least they have one. At least we have one. And I didn't even finish that sentence and it started to seem like an explosion. Every, every, every single floor started exploding one by one going down. And it was like, uh, it was crazy. But so I can't believe, and there's a lot of conspiracy theories of American government doing that. But it also does seem really hard to believe that middle people from the Middle East could somehow learn how to fly a plane. I don't. It just seems hard to believe that to they could really plane. do that. They, well, well, not I, just fly a plane, but all of that. They're taking classes in uh, Arizona and I think uh, in somewhere in Southern California, uh, as the story goes. But anyway, it's not difficult to learn to fly. Basically, I'm not just saying fly. Get into a cockpit. I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to say it. I, I, it's not the point. The point is that's when Patriot Act came. Right. And it, it was a huge document. I mean, I don't read it. Probably most people don't read it, but I believe the main point is it just basically says we're protecting you. So it seems like it's like that's when the U.S. government became the Chinese government. Because the Chinese government says the same crap. We're protecting you from terrorists. That's the same thing the Chinese government says. Right. So uh, what about back to the main point about nationalism? So what does all this nationalism cause? So. You know, I've had really deep conversations and I'm not a kind of, I was never economist nerd. I mean, I'm just a businessman, so I don't have this whole economic theory. But the main point of a government is to protect its people, make sure these people have resources such as food, protect them from our invaders coming in, right? So, you know, if you think about caveman times, they would have a group of people and we're like, okay, let's all be friends. Okay, let's make sure that. People don't come and steal our food, rape our women, kill our kids. So we have to protect ourselves. So, of course, that sounds very basic, but that's still the same job of a government. So the government has to be racist because it has to put these borders and walls up to protect the people inside that border. And those people are supposed to be contributing to that government in order to continue to protect. And I believe government's job is to expand. That's what war is. You know, it's, I always think about Europe, but even China had a lot of wars. America had civil war. There's a you're trying to spread your beliefs, your laws to others. 
I, on that point, I was looking at the top 10 bloodiest wars of all time, and five of them are in China, and one, uh, I'm probably wrong in the facts, of course, but it, it seemed, I think it was like a thousand years ago, and the war went on forever, and like millions of people died. And this is like a thousand years ago when all these people were fighting yeah. in China. And so China's had a lot, a, yeah, a mean, lot of history of fighting. That's, again, I'm not a history expert or economist, but that's why a lot of Chinese people believe that the government has to be so strong armed because if, if not, it would be war still happening because they'd always be trying to fight each other. And well, another point, how many, how many countries border China? Do you know? See, again, I'm not a, I'm a, I was <laughs> 14. Wow. That's a lot of countries bordering one country. So it's naturally had to, you know, fight to survive. Yeah. So again, I, I, I don't like to com- either have a complaint or, I got to have a solution. So it's hard to say if there is like this one world order, that's a scary thing. Like U.S. government wants to be the one world order. That's what China's trying to stop. The U.S., you know, Facebook and YouTube and, you know, all this Google stuff, that's Facebook's a government in a way. They have your identification and know all about you. So they're bigger than most countries. They're bigger than most countries. So (laughs) in a way, China's like, wait, all this internet spreading everywhere can become a government. It can regulate our people. It can know everything about our people. It can uh, assemble our people. So, you know, as the internet continues to evolve and we go online in the cloud, we can talk a little bit. I don't think it's, it's really relevant to global information, but, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to put my computer on a cloud. Whose data is that? Who is that? If I, we go into virtual reality and augmented reality, we go up on a cloud, where are we? We're going to be sitting on our sofas on the internet, you know, like, where are we? So, you know, I just think governments are feeling irrelevant. I mean, technically, why can't we just make Facebook a government and WeChat a government? They are. That's why the government wants to control and influence and have access to them because they're the government. As a user of Facebook, you are a member of this group. You're in a membership. You're not, it's a free membership, but you're in this community. Right. Well, that's pretty wild. So imagine in the future, if that happens, if you respect your digital community and more than your real life community. It's already happening. Yeah, I, I know. It's already happening. It's already going there. I'm just thinking of all the gaming the, no, uh, that's, gaming communities and things like that. And that's what we're trying to do at Global From Asia, because really a government or a group of people is a community. So we've been working hard on building the Global From Asia community together. And trying to not look at where somebody's based, based on their passport or location. And we've been working on, you know, this cross-border e-commerce and people making money selling products anywhere in the world. So we've been doing these meetups and we have the membership, VIP membership, and we have other things too. And we're trying our best to kind of build our own, I don't know if you want to call it a government, it seems like a dirty word, but trying to build something to get us all together. So I think we uh, we covered yeah, we're most about- everything anyway. Uh, is there any other... Th- point that you want to bring out you're in shanghai right now you haven't been here in a while yeah any anything about shanghai shenzhen you want to talk about i mean i think they're just cool groups of people with cool buildings <laughs> <laughs> it's it's human people that have cool you know buildings around it that look nice <laughs> okay <laughs> isn't that what it is uh, yeah it is but i mean do you feel like any changes here in- actually shanghai doesn't seem to have changed as much i don't know about you you, you know 
Yeah, Shanghai is a very comfortable place to live. I lived in Shenzhen as well. It's very comfortable as well. Uh, Shenzhen reminds me of San Diego. It's very laid back. You got the ocean around there. It's green, uh, the uh, wide roads, everything like that. But here, it's a little more con- compact, a little more condensed, but it's uh, very convenient. Now with this Mobike thing, I was mm. just talking to a-, a friend a year ago in July. I said, hey, have you heard of Mobike? I said, no. And that was a year and two months ago. Now there there are these Mobikes everywhere. Do you have the same thing in Shenzhen? Yeah, they're everywhere. Do There's your so many. listeners know what Mobike is? I think we've talked about it a little bit, but... Uh, Maybe we can put that for another show. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that is a big topic, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, there's bikes everywhere. There's so many competitors copying each other. And there's all these rental bikes. Uh, you can on-demand rent. So it's a shared economy and stuff. It's great. It's so much easier to get around now. Just one small idea made a huge change in people's lives here. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, Stu, thanks so much for inspiring me for this. And uh, All right, dude. It was a fun talk. Hope we can do more. Sure. Okay, episode 207 is a wrap. That's a little bit of a bonus, two for one. You know, if you missed this one, I hope, you know, I don't know. What did you think? You made it all the way through both of these and you're uh, listening at the end of 2017 or wherever it is over four years of shows over 200, almost 225 shows or so, if you count more than that. And, you know, it's... It's uh, it's lonely for me, honestly, in Christmas in China. My family is here, but, you know, they don't, it's a normal day in, normal day in China. And uh, we're releasing this on the day after Christmas, uh, December 26th morning. Still sticking to our schedule. And we still have amazing interviews going. I always have trouble deciding the order. This one, I can keep pushing back, pushing back, but I wanted to get it through. Next week, we have SF Express Logistics Company giving some interesting insights about cross-border e-commerce into China. There's a little bit about outside of China. I know logistics is always a big pain point, and we've had some previous guests, but there's more and more to talk about on that topic, and he gives some great insights, Josh Rushkin. So you can uh, you can enjoy that one next, next week. That's it, and uh, have a safe holidays and a happy 2018, or whatever year you're in when you're listening to this. Because, you know, I want to end it with a Steve Jobs quote. He's a pretty aggressive guy, as you know, and uh, may he rest in peace. He still affects all, all so many amazing people around the world. And going into New Year, let's think of this. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know when you find it. And with that, Have a happy new year. See you in 2018. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.